listening to White the Truck. Welcome to What the Truck, man. Now it's time to get the now it's time to get really get the show started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Man, I love excited. the energy. The, the one thing I love about these these virtual events is not only do we get to, to learn more than our you know our typical shows because yeah, we get absolutely. to get really narrow on stuff like Cold Chain, you know, a space that I know a little bit about but not a ton. And I think our keynote said it best at the beginning. By the way, we're what the truck. I'm Dooner. That's Michael Vincent. The Welcome dude. everybody. Peace and love. But I think in our keynote they said it best that if you are operating your supply chain the same way pre-pandemic as you are now, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, the chances are it's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, this is this is a show called What the Truck. It's a podcast. You can look it up on podcast players everywhere by looking up What the Truck. Or look up Freightcast. You'll find every single Freightwaves podcast all in one convenient place, also on Freightwaves TV. And we come at you live every Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time on Freightwaves TV, Freightwaves LinkedIn, Freightwaves Facebook. Virtual. Chat with us. Keep it going. Absolutely. Got hey. some comments in here, too. Oh, Got some okay. comments in okay. here, too. Uh, Meshack says, great event, y'all. Good to see the Freight Waves community again. Patrick Murray says, I'm going for winning the number one commentator again. Dooner, you think I could win it? Well, I'm rooting for you, buddy. <laughs> I think you can if you put forth the effort. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring one last strong. little piece of housekeeping. For those of you who are watching the audience, go to live.freightwaves.com, register, and you can win that Yeti cooler. Get that $50 swag gift certificate. You can even buy What the Truck swag in our swag store with that one. But, you know, the, this event is the only thing that is going on today. There's also an event right outside. I think we got some pictures from some sights and sounds yeah. from, what is it? It's the Armed Forces Day Parade here in Chattanooga. Nice. Let's West take a look. Day. Wow. That's a beautiful truck right there. Yeah, it is. Wow. Nice trailer they brought down here on, uh, Mar- I believe that was right outside on Market Street. Yep. Longtime viewers. It's the backbone of America. That's what truckers oh, are. Oh, is that what that says? Truckers are the backbone of <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah. They don't say I agree. They don't, they don't say it's absolute zero. That would be on the reefer. <laughs> yeah, that's on the reefer. Hey, well, we have, we have some really good guests today. We're going to be talking to Skybits and Cortex. I know we're going to have Nico Brown on. He's sales manager over yeah. there. We're going to have Travis Ross from Cortex. We're getting all deep inside how they handle supply chain. I talked about it earlier in the open of the show. Those of you who didn't catch it, super excited to catch Luis DaCosta from Takata. I know him very well from up in the Boston area. He, uh, as far as I know, he's one of the most well-versed uh, people I could, I could think of in clinical supply chain and dealing with this, uh, this COVID-19 vaccine. And, of course, Norman Hamm is going to be on from uh, from the United Kingdom, jolly old England. Ah, yeah, also talking about cold chain, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. of course, I, no, they all I, are. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, they all are. That's the event, obviously. But I, I agree with you with uh, Luis da Costa. Yes. Uh, the clinical supply chain is obviously there. As we learned earlier, some of the things are unbelievable. The differences in the different vaccines and the different temperatures, minus 94 degrees uh, Celsius. Some oh, yeah, of them have the to move that, is, uh, and, and the variances are, are unbelievable. So this is, it's it's quite it's quite interesting, and, and the pressure that's going to already be out or already is on the supply chain, as we learned uh, during Freightonomics, that's already there. The pressure that's already there because of the differences in consumer habits and what's going on in groceries. Yeah, we have some comments on LinkedIn too. Tyler Nabax says, "Here we go." Steve Slots, hello from Shamrock, Texas, and Bradley Cohen says, "What's up from New York City?" But for those of you on LinkedIn, go over to live.freightways.com. We have a chat going on over there, very lively. You can network. You can win that Yeti cooler. This thing, this thing, Michael Vincent, this is like the Peloton of coolers. It's got wheels on it. I think it costs $400. It holds 45 cans of beer. What? But they're not virtual beer, right? No, this is real. That wouldn't be okay. real. <laughs> okay, awesome. This is the real. <laughs> it's not autonomous, though. It's not autonomous. And also, you might have noticed what arrived in the, the, the mail. 
It's our wheel of stupid questions. Yeah. Look at that thing spin around. Just Probably like can't it's supposed read it. to. It's, it's quality. It's my handwriting on there. <laughs> but uh, it, it's going to be a fascinating thing. Like we said, What the Truck, look it up on your favorite podcast player or look up Freightcast. You'll find every single Freight Waves podcast. When we come back after the break, we're going to be talking to Nico Brown. We're going to get the tough answers or the hot answers on the cold supply chain. <laughs> hot answers. This yeah. ain't the gold chain summit. This is the cold chain summit. We're excited to have you here as Freightways is live with yet another virtual event. We're going to get deep into it in just a minute here on the other side of this commercial break. Vincent, I'm going to tell you a thing or two about what Skybits does, right? Okay. For trailers, containers, and remote assets of all type, Skybits helps companies drive profitability across their entire operation by implementing smart sensors and monitoring technology. Now, that's super exciting, right? How yeah, important do you think that would be in a cold chain? Yeah, pretty, pretty darn important. You know, they even work in theft. And if, you, if any of you caught What the Truck viewers or your normal viewers, you would have caught Monday's episode when we had Travelers on, right? Yeah. We had uh, Scott on from Travelers, and he was talking all about the issues with cargo theft. That's a great episode. Look it up on your favorite podcast player. Look it up What the Truck or Freycast. But right now, we welcome Nico Brown, he's sales manager over at Skybits, to talk to us about a partnership with Cortex and maybe a little bit about how Skybits aids the cold chain. Nico, thanks for joining us today hello how's it going today <laughs> looking good my man where are you uh where are you uh homing in from uh i'm in uh herndon virginia in our uh, home office for Skybits. now beautiful Be- and now he's one of the most fashionable people in freight he's not wearing it today but he got one of those possum shirts you may have seen at other freightways virtual events oh i love the possum shirt yeah well hey nico you know, I you. Also wore my, uh, my dragon shirt ooh, uh, which ooh. was really loud and my wife was like you're not wearing that on tv yeah, well, here's a dragon we can slay, Cold Chain. How about we get into it? Nico, introduce yourself real quick. Well, my name is Nico Brown. I'm a regional sales manager with Skybits. We deal with uh, tracking non-Cold Chain assets, so dry vans, uh, stoop decks, whatever else you want to throw at us, we can track them. And you know, more than tracking them, we can tell you what they're doing, where they're doing. Wow. That uh, <laughs> that's awesome stuff. So, you guys have a, a partnership now with Cortex. Can you talk to a little bit about how that partnership really benefits those those fleets and, and particularly the mixed fleets? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we we all know that a lot of people who run cold chain equipment also run dry equipment. So, y- you normally have to have two separate solutions on two completely separate systems to address both sides of your fleet. So Skybits has always been the leader in the dry chain, right? We're, we're the number one company by far for tracking assets that are not refrigerated. And, you know, when we looked at coming out with a cold chain solution, it was just the best thing possible to sign up with Cortex, who is one of the best names in cold chain, and then marry what they do with their data to what we do with our data so that you can get it all in one place in one ecosystem. Now, operationally, you're probably going to need someone to run that back end. So how does your customer success managers work to help that base? So our customer success managers do a large part of the, you know, the extra value that Skybits brings. Because, again, it's not just about where your assets are. It's about using that data to solve actual problems or drive metrics or, you know, increase your revenue per trailer. So what the customer success managers do is when you're looking at that data and you don't know, you know, what it's telling you or how to use it, our customer success managers partner with you and they bring, you know, not only 
experience from your account, but all of the other larger accounts that they deal with and share best practices and make sure that you're getting the most out of everything that we're bringing to the table. Excellent stuff. Now, you talk about, you, you, you mentioned that it's not just about where that asset is and tracking those assets. So uh, one of the things I would imagine that you can, you can solve is for uh, capacity constraints, right? Better planning? Yes, better planning um, and better routing. You know, when you talk about, you know, getting to a load, you know, it's not just about picking up the trailer. It's not just about routing a driver. It's about, you know, if I'm going to route you to that trailer, is it actually in the status that I need for that run? If it needs to be empty, is it empty at the time that I send the driver out so that he's not waiting around trying to, you know, wait for them to load a trailer? If it's supposed to be picked up full, you know, before you dispatch a driver, you know, take them out of their house and say, hey, go wait here for two hours. I know before I send you out that the trailer has been loaded by the customer. Now, Nigo, if you uh, if you've checked the spot market recently, especially if you're in the reefer side, right, Michael Vincent, like mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're subscribed to the What the Truck newsletter, you know I would ca- I called out that lane reefer madness from Syracuse to Hartford. Yeah. What was it five twenty eight a mile? Yeah, that's right. So how does Skybits help with that? How does Skybits help you get ahead of the market and be a little bit smarter about making some of this decision making and not waking up with sticker shock and seeing, oh man, I gotta I gotta move at five twenty eight a mile. Yeah, so. What we do to help address that, you know, if you're looking at the cold train, the cold chain spot rates, that's not really us. That's more Cortex. But if you're looking at spot rates in general, you know, what's one of the biggest questions that you have when you're looking at whether or not you can take advantage of a spot rate, uh, spot rate in the lane? You need to know if you already have equipment in that lane ready to go to pick up a load. So we tell you again, not only that you have something in that lane or around that lane where you have to make that pickup. But we're going to show you the closest unloaded trailer possible to that location and to the driver so that you're not wasting empty miles getting to your drop uh, pickup location. Excellent stuff, Nico. You talked about the fact that, you know, you guys were the number one player in the in the dry in the dry space, right yeah. in the dry van space and looking to get that solution with uh, in, in the cold side or the reefer side. And I guess rather than an invent, you know, reinvent something that is there, partner with the leader in that area, Cortex. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, so you have to look at the the value that Skybits has, you know, changed over the last, you know, five, six years to bring to trucking fleets, right? And so, you know, I keep harping on it on it like it's a like like I just like repeating myself, but it's not just about the data, right? It's about what you do with it. So when you look at Skybits as a company, we don't have sales reps, we have sales managers, we have account reps to show that we want to partner with you. And, you know, we want to make sure that you're getting the most out of that data. So we could have made our own, sure. But when you look at Cortex as a company, they run a lot of the same way that we do. It's not just about where your cold chain equipment is. It's about what temperature is it at. (laughs) Sorry, I apparently wasn't moving enough. Uh, But it's about, you know, what what temperature I need to be more animated. It's not just about, you know, where your equipment is. You know, they also have uh, customer success managers, Travis, who's going to be on after me, who take that data from your cold chain and do the same thing that Skybits does with it, where we marry the information to the best practices to solving solutions that your business has. 
And, you know, that's why the partnership just made perfect sense because we run our companies a, a lot of the same way to get the value to our customers. <laughs> Yeah, so sorry. I just I just saw on on the LinkedIn is a little bit delayed, so I got to see that that uh, special effect of you throwing your arms up in full living color. <laughs> yeah, awesome. It was wonderful, Nico. Hey, let's <laughs> cut loose a little bit here. You might notice we have a uh, a new item sitting here on our desk. Oh, it is yeah. our our wheel of stupid questions, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Vanna White here. I'm gonna spin this thing, and you promise me you'd answer whatever it lands on. So let's get to it, Nico. All right, it's going around and around. Where it lands, no one knows. What does it say? Oh, okay, Nico. If you were a professional wrestler, what would your gimmick be? Ooh, ooh, this is a good one. Okay, so I like, you know, just showmanship, right? Like, just pure showmanship. So if it was me, I would come out and, like, you know, like, you know, uh, Goldberg? Yeah. You know, with the, the loud colored, like, lycra? I would do that. I'd dye my dread red. So like I'd come out like Willow Smith, like with my hair back and forth and I'd never throw a punch. I would just look at people and like they would fall and like be counted out. Like that would be my whole shtick. I'm just a (laughs) mental Wow. I, I really like him. Wrestler. I love it. I think he's put a lot of shower time thinking yeah, about yeah, uh, wh- yeah. how his gimmick would be and how it developed. But I also like, as I'm kind of like a, 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 a lazy person sometimes too, I like that he doesn't have to do any physical activity. He just has to use his mind to take the opponent out. <laughs> his work day is this. Well, hey, tech, tech is enabling <laughs> fleets to use their mind to move their freight and know where it is with visibility through programs like Skybiz. Nico, people want to learn more. Where do we send them? So if you're looking for me personally, you can almost always find me on FreightWaves events because I love you guys. <laughs> if you're looking for Skybits as a company, go to skybits.com and, you know, figure out all of, of us there. Well, and you know what? You're almost like halfway there with the gimmick, like the Undertaker. You almost brought down the lights with the uh, that hand motion you were doing. It was fantastic to see. <laughs> no, it's cool. We just talked to Nico Brown from Skybits right now. They're in that partnership with Cortex, though, right, Michael Vincent? Yeah, so absolutely. when we come back, we'll talk to Travis Ross. And, uh, you know, now we separate them. We'll get his side of the story on how that partnership is going. I imagine we will only hear good things. Stay frosty. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back to What the Truck. We're going to expand a little bit more now on the Skybits Cortex partnership as we welcome Travis Ross, a customer success manager over at Cortex. He's sitting in his uh, den over in uh, what he says is a warm day in South Carolina. Thanks for joining us, Travis. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Could be worse. You could be up in the uh, Midwest. Our, our own meteorologist, Nick Austin, he keeps showing us uh, what's going on up there. It's seven, eight inches of snow in Minnesota. It's wild. So, <sighs> Unbelievable. I don't know. I think you'll, I think you'll take the <laughs> snow-free roads, even though we are talking about reefer and cold chain today. That doesn't mean you need that in the van, not on the street. That's right. That's right. Well, Let's customer first, right? Customer first, great business opportunity. I know that's one of Cortex's values. Tell me a little bit about that and how you fit into that equation. Well, how I fit in, so I was basically plucked um, kind of, I came from a customer a couple of years ago. I was a transportation manager at a wonderful company called Golden State Foods. Love them, still partner with them today. And I was a customer of both the ELD and the Cortex refrigerated platform. I kind of got geeked out on the refrigerated side and, and learned that overall I could improve my, my temperature compliance, my maintenance cost reduction, uh, my fuel burned, so we were able to go greener. So through that partnership, um, ended up coming over to the Cortex side, and now I'm talking with you fine gentlemen. 
Awesome stuff. You know, we've been talking about technology and technology, all the technology advancements and how it, it really improves the supply chain and the efficiency of the supply chain. It creates great visibility to the customers and helps out their fleets, uh, you know, utilizing their assets like the great partnership that you guys have you guys have here. But there's always that human side of it as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so the human side is kind of that that change management stuff. So when I, when I was a customer, the last thing I really wanted to do was take my hands and uh, grip them around a brand new project. Everybody's busy. Nobody has any fat on their staffing. Um, so that's where typically I'd get involved. I love to spend time in the field with the customers, letting them know what they've actually got at their fingertips and how they can only use it in minutes out of the day because nobody has the extra time. So I love doing that. You know, I'm glad we talked about partnerships. Technology is important. I mean, partnerships, when you're talking about cold chain, so many intermediaries in the way, such a delicate thing. What are some of the carrier concerns, though? And uh, your, your customer's customer, how, how does this work and how does this fit in with them? Well, the biggest concerns are lost product, PL&D. We want to stop throwing away loads that could equal anywhere from twenty up to $100,000 if you're hauling a load of protein. We want to burn less fuel. We want to know when our stuff is going to break down on the side of the road before it breaks down on the side of the road. We don't want our drivers to wait on the side of the road for repairs. So all those analytics we can pull from this really cool telematics platform, that's what we help people do. Wow. Do you have any stories from the ground? Like what, what can go wrong and what can go right? I mean, this is logistics, right? This is one of the places yeah. where you very rarely hear about the successes. You always hear about the failures and in reefer, there can be a lot of failures, but there can also be some big wins. I mean, we're talking about life-saving types of wins when you're talking about cold chain. Yeah. So some big successes would be, we have a, a, a large uh, fleet rollout going out at the moment and they used our telematic solution to monitor drop trailers over the weekends so now instead of paying people to drive over there and do regular monitoring, walking around, looking at each reefer, writing it down, reporting, they can now two-way control and see it from their fingertips, don't have to go anywhere or do anything. So we've had numerous occasions of saved loads by capturing low fuel events or reefer alarm breakdowns. I could, I could really go on and on about some of the successes, especially when it came to me and my department at Golden State Foods. It was awesome. I imagine during this this uh, pandemic that a lot of those stresses on the supply chain uh, came into your wheelhouse as far as providing some of those solutions. We had some other people talking about, you know, the situation uh, uh, with not only fresh produce moving and some of the spoilage that is happening there, but then when you got into, you know, talking about moving proteins, the different situations that there are with the different proteins, you know, uh, when we start talking about hogs and chickens versus cows, et cetera, and being able to slow grow, I think uh, we actually, somebody said that a cows can actually be put on an Atkins diet. <laughs> oh, wow. That's kind of like cannibalistic, isn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But, but you, I would think that the partnership that you have now with Skybits would enhance some of your ability to solve those issues, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Skybits is the market leader for dry tracking. We feel that we've got a, a, a fantastic product, so now we can reach more people. Uh, we're like the, well, a good analogy, like the Jordan and the Pippin, man, like the, the, the Gronk and the Brady or Andy and Barney. Well, Andy and Barney, maybe that's not the best one. But, uh, you, get, you, you, get the, you get the other two. And we want the customers to feel that they are just well taken care of under this partnership and umbrella. 
Um, and we're off to a, just a great start. Yeah, we're we're closer to like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle or something up here, you know. <laughs> Laurel, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, you, you, yeah meet the Wolfman. Uh, you have you have a lot of fans in the comments here, by the way. Uh, Steve-O says oh, that you're a legend. Steve-O at Cortex oh, Steve-O. says. <laughs> he says yeah, Steve-O, he's my friend. So these guys are really super cool from New Zealand. Uh, and the reason I like all these Kiwis from New Zealand is uh, they can they can just be uh, so mad at you for something. And you'll just never know because of that influx and the way they end their sentences. Yeah, like that. <laughs> and uh, it's just a wonderful thing and great people to work with. Thanks, Steve-O. <laughs> oh, yeah, Steve, no, he's having a good time in the comments over here. I'm sure he'd like to see you spin the wheel. Should we do it? Oh, I think you would. Let's do it, man. All right, let's 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 see where it lands. Wherever it goes, nobody knows. And with my handwriting, you're probably not going to be able to read it. So I got to turn this over here. Okay, how rude does a waiter have to be for you to say something? Now we're talking about the uh, the the cold chain. Now let's talk about the the restaurant food chain, right? Like they they leave your food sitting underneath the heater. It comes to you. It's lukewarm. There's all sorts of things that go wrong in a restaurant. What has to go wrong for you to call out your waiter? I, I, I'll never, I'll never do it, guys. Sorry, oh. I've, I've come from the restaurant industry yeah. and actually have a culinary degree as well. And that background, uh, deep respect for everybody that's working in the industry. And I just, I'm one of those guys that just won't do it. It would have to go horribly wrong. So, yeah, I just won't go there. I'm, so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a little cowbell. My first real job was working at like when I was 14, I worked at McDonald's in the drive through. I've been a busboy. I've been a host. I've been a waiter at multiple different places. Um, and I. you learn a lot about people when you're doing food service and customer service. What did you learn that you've been able to apply to Cortex? Oh, well, that's that's going to be patience because this is look, I work with a tech company. And things are ever evolving. We work with customers that have operational challenges that change every minute, every day. Um, so you got to be patient as you go in there and partner with these fine folks. Yeah, you absolutely do. And so you're one of those people that realizes that the waiter didn't do it to you on purpose. They didn't go back there and cook <laughs> your steak wrong on purpose, correct? <laughs> correct. Correct. I'd like to think so. I won't give them a reason to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and oftentimes it it comes down to it's everybody makes mistakes. It's how well you, you how you respond to those mistakes. Correct. Correct. Well put. Well, what's coming up with the partnership? What's next for Skybits and Cortex? We heard from Nico before you. We've heard from you. you both sound like great guys to work with. So uh, what's on the horizon here? Well, gosh, right after this, we reckon there's going to be a lot of activity out of this cold chain summit. We've already got some reefer customers in uh, launched with our product and. So we expect uh, quite a bit more of engagement, and I just can't wait to get involved with the with the pipeline. Well, absolutely. Well, hey, how do people reach out? How do they learn more? How do they contact you and continue the conversation after you're off air? Sure. Very easy to reach me directly at Travis.Ross at Cortex.com. And just uh, you can find everything on our website at Cortex.com. Wow. Well, th- this was exciting stuff. Although someone in the comments is spreading a rumor that Steve-O gentleman, <laughs> he's, uh, he's kind of being a problem character. He says that you like to microwave your steak. Fake <laughs> <laughs> <Big> news. <laughs> uh, and Nico wants to know what kind of wrestler you would be. I don't know. You kind of got like a Stone Cold Steve Austin thing going on. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping the wrestling thing wasn't going to come back to me because I had my answer, but I don't know if it was. Uh, I'd be. I'd probably just uh, right off the top of my head when you asked me that. I think I'd just. I'd call myself the Nutcracker. Oh, I wouldn't have oh. to do anything as soon as I step. Who's going to mess with that? 
Okay. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Stand up, Michael Vincent. I'll give you a nutcracker. <laughs> like a couple of nunchucks with a, yeah. Do a little ballet after you do it, Ali. The nutcracker sweet. That's it. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for, uh, thanks for spending a little time with us today. We really enjoyed your time on the show. Uh, you know, stay cool over there. Stay, uh, as we said last night, stay frosty over in Lexington, South Carolina. We come back. Luis DaCosta, Takata Pharmaceutical, hearing about that clinical supply chain. Now it's time for a little bit of a, a reunion for me. I haven't talked to this gentleman in a couple of years. I know him from the Boston scene, though. We used to right. back when go to regular events. I used to see him at Connect all the time. It's Luis DaCosta. He is the Director of Global Import, Export, and Trade Compliance, Global Clinical Supply Chain at Takata Pharmaceuticals International. Luis, thank you so much for taking a little time out of your day to join us today on What the Truck. Nice seeing you again. Uh, look at all the beard. I, I wouldn't recognize you if I would see you on the streets. <laughs> I'm wanted up in it's Boston. I had, a, I had a flea down here in Chattanooga, right? Get under disguise. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, glad to hear that you're still doing those uh, pods and, and, you know, discussions. I admire the type of work you do. So great. Uh, well, no, no, no. Like the, the admiration is all for you, Louise. You are such a knowledgeable <laughs> guy. But I don't know if you realized when you got into clinical supply chain just how important your role would be once 2020 came around. I know you deal kind of on the clinical side, but give us a little bit of background. How do you fit into the cold chain and, and how do clinical trials fit into that? Uh, so um, pharmaceutical or biotech uh, Things that you move inside of that industry, it has a big variety of uh, temperature uh, handling uh, to wait, you know. But uh, we we have we deal with minus seventy frozen, uh, deep frozen solutions, and we have fifteen to twenty five. We have a range of temperature uh, that, depending on the type of uh, drug, uh, we needed to keep it cold. So. If you are in the biotech or biopharma industry, you, you are definitely automatically in a cold chain environment, uh, which is, you know, just another factor when you're transporting something other than making sure that nobody's going to steal your cargo that is intact. Uh, you have to make sure that is kept at the required temperature that you needed that drug. Um, there is typically a drug has a storage temperature and there is a transportation temperature. They, they may not be necessarily the same, but we definitely uh, handle cold chain uh, all the time. I, I have the most uh, challenging situations in, in some cases because you needed to have to maintain that temperature. And, and the, the, the travel is typically a faraway travel, right? So we can move from here to Asia, Europe, to the United States, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, cold chain is part of uh, the day-to-day -day discussion in supply chain. For a biopharmaceutical, whether it's clinical or not clinical, uh, it's there. Louise, uh, Mike Vincent here. Pleased to meet you. Any friend of uh, my brother Dooner's is uh, now a friend of mine. So uh, <laughs> very, very happy to meet you. And I, I'm very intrigued by it, by this by this space, particularly the space you're in with the global clinical supply chain. And and one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the impact of delivery. We've talked to many people. We've heard from many people about the movement and trying to keep, you know, this, uh, I guess, super cold storage, sure. uh, minus 94 degrees, et cetera, during travel. But then you have the issues at during delivery and the, the impact of that on the supply chain. Can you speak to that a little bit, those challenges? Sure. So uh, the, the main movement, uh, will, uh, the, the typical movement, 
Um, you know, you bring, you, you have different phases of the preparation or manufacturing of this drug, but at one point, you're going to have the final drug that is going to be set to the final clinical site. So let's go back with a scope, just specifically clinical. So you needed to make the drug available uh, to the patient that is in your clinical trial, right? So um, what do we do uh, after we move? We, we typically have a depot, and, and the depot is typically where the clinical site is. In other words, that's where the patient goes to take that drug. So if it is a, a drug that requires cold chain, uh, let's say deep frozen, uh, uh, our depot or our clinical site needs to have that capability because otherwise, you know, I, I'm not taking the from the deep frozen scenario and running with that drug uh, to deliver it to, to the patient or, or, you know, to deliver it to the clinical site at the day. Uh, it, the drug is going to be usually there. So uh, when we choose partners to operate with us, uh, either uh, uh, um, a clinical organization, the, the company that is handling the clinical trial for you, mm. or the depot or the clinical site, we needed to make sure that that business partner we have capability should we need um, cold chain uh, storage uh, that is available. Wow. And, you know, when you talk about something like this, you know, this is a global problem that you're trying to solve. There'll be clinical trials all over the world that that there's probably a lot of regulatory hurdles that you have to cross. What are the challenges you face there? Well, uh, luckily, I have. Uh, so I'm in the logistics department. I report to uh, clinical supply chain and and at Takeda, we are part of uh, uh, the department or, or the, the arm of a global development operations, right? So regulatory, uh, the, the regulatory department is the one responsible to get approval uh, locally from countries where we are handling our clinical trial. So they have to work with the authorities to make sure, first of all, that I can do a specific clinical trial in that country. So th there is a lot of regulatory. Uh, you, you, you said it right because uh, don't don't forget. You know we are in clinical trials, so all the data, how the data is collected, how the reaction of the drug from the patient during that clinical trial, everything is very very closely monitored by health authorities. We have to report. There is an investigator. There is way of uh, reporting all the data about the clinical trial. And it's, of course, it's very critical because that is what's going to be uh, the decision of getting a, a drug approved uh, for a consumption uh, beyond the clinical trial will depending on all this data uh, that is collected during the clinical trial. So uh, from a paperwork perspective, from an involvement of health authorities, it, it's a heavy uh, duty uh, work, uh, you know, to be in this clinical phase uh, until your product will pass, you know, through all the clinical phases. Typically, you know, you have uh, products in phase three, and then depending on the results of that phase three, you move it to a commercial environment. And that's when, you know, in my work, that's when I pass over to the commercial. I, I deal until we have that approval in the country. So, Luis, what, the big topic on everybody's mind is the is the vaccine, uh, COVID-19 vaccines that are being developed and the way to get them to market. And in, in your view, give us a sense of how big of a project is this really and, and mass distribution. How long will that take? How do you see that rolling out? Uh, 
so I'm going to talk in general, not in specific at Takeda. Uh, we know that there are a large number of uh, companies with, with the vaccines there, right, for, for COVID uh, in different phases of the development. Um, and they're all different. They, they have different technologies. Some of them will require frozen uh, environment, like minus 70. Some of them are just two to eight. Uh, again, depending on the, the composition of that drug and, and the technology, uh, there are some that are probably based on a cell therapy. Uh, there are some that are, you know, that, that are different compositions. Um, I read an article uh, recently where uh, there is a concern because uh, a lot of the manufacturers of these new vaccines we require some code uh, uh, storage, and we also require, um, you know, deep frozen scenarios. And and the question was, uh, are, is the the globe will the globe have enough dry ice, enough wow. space uh, to hold all the required loads and batches of vaccines uh, to eventually vac vaccine, you know, like for everybody, right? So it's not very clear how that's going to happen. Um, I think uh, we, we may have an issue with some limitations because I believe what's going to happen, essentially everybody has to take this vaccine. There is no, no exception for you to be totally uh, immune. And when the vaccine happens, I think we needed to be thinking. I think these companies are seriously thinking what is going to be the distribution model for when this is ready. Uh, but I, I heard and I read some articles already saying, you know, are we going to have enough cold storage there, enough dry yeah. ice uh, to, to hold it? So it is a big question at the moment. And, and I think each company are doing their own strategic, uh, you know, uh, looking at the, their partners. Uh, yeah. Not only partners, Louise, but if you're going to... Louise, you know, I wish we had a little bit more time to jump into this. They're, they're throwing us into a, a break here. But check out Louise DaCosta on LinkedIn and look up Takata International. We'll be back. What a massive project that's going to be. I mean, take away from Louise, and you talk about the clinical side of it. You talk about the delivery and distribution. And it's going to, it could be involving the military. It's going to involve private companies, commercial companies. It's yeah. going to, and it's also going to require a willful public. They, they've done surveys and stuff, and a lot of, you know, you're going to need public confidence. And one of the interesting things I was reading was, you know, there's, there's anti-vaxxers out there, right? Sure. They're kind of their own subset. They touch into some conspiracy communities, but they're actually starting to recruit a lot of people are starting to get skeptical about the sort of politicized aspect of a, uh, a virus, too. So we have a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got it because they're not. Yeah, they're pulling the people that aren't necessarily uh, anti-vaxxers yeah. into it because of the, the the rush to market. Yeah. Right. And the, but what I found was really interesting from Lewis, what I never thought of was during those clinical trials, studying and all that data for the movement of it goes into the approval process. Oh, yeah. Which I, I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, right now we have another amazing guest on here. It's Norman Hangnam. He's a transportation refrigeration consultant and a cold chain expert. And he's going to give us the perspective from across the pond because he's in Hillgate, England, in the United Kingdom. Norman, thank you for spending a little time with us today on What the Truck. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me on the show. Oh, we're happy to have Oh, thank you so much. We, uh, we, we appreciate a compliment. We'll get you everywhere on this show. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, Norman, you're, you're over in uh, jolly good England. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What brings you, uh, what brings you here and what's your expertise? Um, so I've been in the industry for about 35 years. I started off as a, as a little apprentice, um, learned on the train as an engineer. 
Um, I then ended up uh, behind a computer desk and um, then went into management. Uh, but a couple of years ago, come out the rat race side, do something good for the industry and start focusing on things like emissions and trying to make a difference that will affect the whole industry for good. Excellent. I, I see from your from your background, you're you're very interested in the new technologies uh, within the refrigerator, the cold chain. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about some of those developments that have been uh, coming along and some of the technologies that can help uh, improve the, you know, from the situation we're in right now to through into COVID-19, the vaccina- vaccination uh, distribution? Um not sure what some new technologies will help with that because um, as your previous guests were talking about, some of the vaccines might be low temperature, some of the vaccines might be still temperature. So um, so we'll have to wait and see. But um, some of the uh, innovation I have been seeing are things like uh, e-axles, uh, e-cargo bikes, uh, refrigerated versions, uh, battery packs that bolt into trailers to power the refrigeration units. I've seen trailers like a Sony trailer to take an extra six pallets on board, standard trailer. Um, lots of um, good innovation like the EcoGens, where we've bolted generated to the PTO at the electric truck itself to power the refrigeration unit. Most of the stuff we're seeing now is all about emissions. Wow. Hey, there's a question in the comments here. Uh, Jose Nuia says, is that a jackalope? In the background. Now, you may not know what a jackalope is. I believe that's from America's Funniest Home Videos, but maybe you have seen that. Is it, What is hanging on your wall behind you? Uh, that's Clyde, the clever bunny. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> Easter's coming late this year, kids. All right. <laughs> so, hey, wh- hey what's, what's hot and what's cool in, in England? What, what's going on in the reefer market there, and what's, what's different than what's going on here in the United States? Well, um, first off, can I say... Um, Congratulations to the guys at the California Air Research um, Board. Um, they, they are driving, I think, the change in the whole reefer market across the globe. Oh, um, great. With their, sure. with their views. Uh, and I think when we look at what they're doing, um, and we are now trying to transplant that into the UK markets. So where we now look and say we're running diesel progression units, um, the, the UK government at the moment only recognises the truck engine emissions. It doesn't recognise the fridge engine emissions. Um, we seem to have fallen in the gap somewhere in between, so we're trying to re-educate them at the moment. So if you, to say, if you've got a truck, um, you look at it as a one big bubble. So you've got the truck engine and the refrigeration unit as one bubble. It counts as one emission source. So that seems to be taking up my life at the moment. It's very interesting. I mean, you're obviously a believer that I guess that the diesel-driven transportation refrigeration units is is over. The demand for those, or it needs to be over in any way, right? So you had mentioned some of those technologies when I when I asked you a question about the technologies in refrigeration. Can you dig a little bit deeper into what I think you mentioned hydraulic fridges and axle-driven generation? Is this stuff in in trials right now, or is it out there commercially for use? All out there commercially now. Um, along, alongside a lot more advancement now in solar power, so solar power, solar panels on top of the trailers, um, recharging battery packs to power the progression units. Um, especially in Europe at the moment, they're doing a lot of work um, with the an electric axle on the trailer, which recharges the battery pack, which powers the fridge on the front. And so people like Carrier are now releasing engine-less transport progression units. 
Interesting. Right. I imagine that that would be a solution. You know, we were th- earlier in a pandemic we had uh, in China specifically, we had the issue where the, the, the plugs at the ports, I mean, they were they were full. They had nowhere to take the stuff because there was no trucks moving within China to take it from the port. Are there solutions for that type of thing as, as well for the storage like at the ports for for those containers coming off the ship instead of the plugs, maybe driven by solar panels? Um, no, I haven't heard of anything recently. Um, there is work with things like uh, um, something called the demon engine, which runs on liquid nitrogen, um, to use that as a power source to, to power buildings, and, and that would probably be ideal for some like to have the um, containers at the ports. Um, but otherwise, at the moment, most of that will come from the grid. Mm. But well, in the UK... Well, I was going to say, I mean, into this topic on on renewables and your passion there, I don't know if you saw the debate last night, but uh, coming up on the ballot, I mean, the initiative to move towards EV and how fast that's going to go is going to be decided in November. Biden very strongly said we're trying to transition off of oil last night during uh, during the debates. I think it's pretty clear which side you're cheering for, but how much does the regulatory environment in the United States enable the causes for you over in the United Kingdom? I think it's the thoroughness of the uh, reporting done by the Californian guys. Um, I think the amount of reporting and, and um, researching they've done to the actual effects of the uh, beefy units on people's health uh, around the warehouses. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah, were just sorry. trying to get your opinion on that that regulatory environment and how that enables the UK. Um, as, as I was saying, um, the regulatory environment is that at the moment, we use the great research that's been done by the guys in California. Um, we can use that and reference that for um, some of the project work we're trying to do in the UK to remove diesel um, from the coal plant itself. Um, the UK government itself has decided now to remove the rebated fuel that they use in transport federation units over here. So the actual cost per gallon will end up being about seven or eight dollars um, per gallon for every federation unit running. And refrigeration units will probably use about a couple of gallons a day over here on average. Remember, we're not a very big island, so the probably average journey is probably about three or four hours. Most most of the uh, major supermarkets about three or four hours in the distribution centres. But they will load them. They'll leave them running in the yard. Probably on diesel at the moment. We're trying to push to get them to plug them on electric instead because we have a lot more refrigeration units over here where you can plug them in electric. Where in America you don't. Um, so, but then that knocks onto the national grid. Have we got enough power available in the grid to power all those production units on electric? Because then, when you throw into the equation electric trucks coming along, mm-hmm. they'll also need to be plugged in. Yeah, no, so, it's true. You, know, you need a big grid for that. You're going to need to support that. And all those things. Yeah. Norman, for people who want to reach out and learn more and, and continue the conversation with you, where do we send them? Just check me out on LinkedIn. All right. Check him out on LinkedIn. That's Absolutely. where you want to see him. Thank you so Thank much you, for Norman. your time. Speaking of Normans, I was watching, I don't know if you've, you know, Halloween movies have been a theme. It's getting to be Halloween time. You might see yeah. it on my shirt. You heard the Blues Brothers talk about it, right? We said Halloween was our fair, but I was with the kids on Netflix. I was there. watching a Paranorman. So not Norman Hingham, but Paranorman. It's actually really good. It kind of looks like a, like Wallace and Gromit style animation. Oh, is that, I've never seen Paranorman. Yeah. No, check it out. Check it out. Put it up on Netflix, but don't do it yet because after the break, we're going to be back with Josh Asbury from Hub Trance. So stick with us. 
are live here on the Gold Chain Summit. Gold mm. Chain, Cold Chain. Cold Chain, Cold Chain, Cold Chain. Yes, <laughs> uh, this has been a good one, though. This is, you know, it, one of the things about these live events is we, we kind of go through the guests and move into the next section so quickly that we don't have a ton of time to digest all these things. So uh, yeah. maybe on radio tomorrow we'll do that or on Monday or on, on What the Truck. But Because right now we got to talk to Josh Asri's vice president at Hubtran. We want to hear from him. Last time he was on What the Truck, he regaled us with a ton of fascinating different stories. So we are uh, excited to have him back, especially here on the big stage at the big show we call Cold Chain Summit. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> What's happening, man? Last time you were on, we were talking. Last time you were on the phone, now we get to see you live and in living color. You got your coffee in hand. You're ready and roaring to go. But for someone who may have not caught you on one of our shows before, just a little brief uh, introduction, a little elevator. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Josh Hasbury. I'm vice president of 3PL and Broker for Hubtran. Uh, Hubtran automates uh, back office work uh, for 3PL's brokers, factors, and forwarders. So we handle you know all the the nasty incoming paperwork that you get from carriers and uh, with you know invoices, bills of lading, all that stuff. We automate all that stuff so you can process it. You know, we, we say four times faster. It's actually faster than that. Wow. Okay. Four t- four plus time speed, I guess, is what it is. So, hey, Josh, yeah. uh, welcome to the show. Uh, nice to see you again. So, the back auto- back office automation that you speak of, specifically to supply chain, how how does that how does that automation benefit supply the uh, the cold chain? Well, I mean, in so many ways. I mean, you know, you think about the world in which we operate, uh, where you know profits are made on the margins, right, <clears throat> and. Uh, when you, the back office has been this really ignored cost sensor, uh, of, uh, it has a lot of waste. And so, you know, by automating a lot of this work, by allowing, uh, your team to process things four times faster, you know, you have a uh, human cannot, can process 75 invoices a day from a carrier. That's what we see after they use Hubtran, they cannot, they can process 300 plus a day. So you take, so when you automate that work, basically what you're doing is you're, is you're taking you know, that time and that m- and money spent. So you can do things like in the cold chain world, you know, build new warehouses, get ready to distribute COVID vaccines, you know, go through all the stuff, you know, being, being nimble, like what the cold chain has to do in this world. So again, you have this sunk cost in the back office. When you automate it, you're able to, you know, do other things with that money to help grow the business. Yeah. You could re- re- rearrange your, your, uh, or, or redistribute your capital expenses. Oh yeah. For different well, priorities. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about the, the, the cost of rates, right. In reefer mm-hmm. right now, especially with capacity being constrained, this is a general cost of, of reefer freight to begin with. I imagine companies getting into it or, or throughout this pandemic are like, wow, these costs are really ratcheting up. So how does Hubtran help protect some of those margins with, uh, with automation? Well, so, I mean, th- think about it this way. Um, you, in fact, one of our customers, uh, U.S. Cold, if you go to uh, U.S. Cold Storage, look at their website, beautiful new warehouse that they're building, right? <laughs> now, I'm not saying they're building that warehouse because they're using Hubtran, they're not. But, you know, but you know, there's, they're saving a lot of money by, um, by taking the invoices that they get from the carriers. They run it through the Hubtran system. They're able to get those things paid out to the carriers faster, which increases, you know, carrier satisfaction, but also they're able to invoice customers automatically. You know, so we're, we're building some capabilities for them now to where they're able to build, to build their customers, uh, as soon as, as soon as the shipment's done, as soon as all the paperwork's finished. Right. So what that does is that shaves days off of the time to cash. Uh, you know, so, you know, you receive a, a bill from a carrier, you receive all the supporting documentation and you're able to get everything settled out with them. Boom. 
bill your customer same day, next day, as opposed to make maybe a 10-day spread or a 10-day float where you're able to, you know, increase your, your cash flow uh, by, you know, a matter of days as opposed to, um, as opposed to, you know, letting things just die in the back office. So again, that's just one of those places where automation can really help, and that's where you know you you know a lot of companies don't think about that stuff. The, the back office and those payables and processes and all that stuff is just a necessary evil of business. That's where automation can really help. When you look at your processes and go, humans don't need to be doing that. What what can we what can we what can we automate so we can you know improve cash flow, you know take that money and do something better and more interesting with it. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the operations world, you're always looking for that extra second, a little bit more pounds on the trailer, a uh, little bit shorter shorter route, uh, little incremental improvements in in safety, et cetera. It makes sense in the back office that there would be plenty of of uh, of costs that can be reduced and efficiencies that can be gained through that automation. Um, but Josh, uh, in your expertise, what are the things that uh, you know the companies that are operating in supply in the cold chain space? What should they specifically be looking for when they're when they're looking at uh, uh, automation solutions in the in the back office? Well, it, it, you know that, that one it, it's it's really pretty pretty easy. It's like what what is this what is the time what is the time to actually achieving an ROI right? And you know you have you have a lot of technology vendors out there that make all these really big promises, and it takes you know months or years to implement a solution, and then it takes a bunch of process changes, and it, it's it's doing just a ton of work, right? You know when companies are looking at this, you got you have to say, look, we need to be able we need to have a plug and play solution. You know, we need to be able to get to you know get these benefits now in days and weeks as opposed to years because you know this world is moving so fast. You know so when you're when you're talking to vendors when you're looking at automation solutions ask that question like how long is it going to take till we see real results um other thing to ask other thing, thing things that people have to consider is uh, when it comes you know, i say process change that's not just internal process change if you have a network of 600 carriers and you're asking all your carriers to do something different with the paperwork that they're sending in guess what your adoption rate is going to be it's going to be terrible right and it's going to take a lot of time to get those carriers to adopt if they ever do at all at a very high percentage so you know things to think about there is uh, you know really the time to time to roi and and how how you're going to manage that change or if you you know if it's going to require significant change from you internally or externally now, Josh, aside from the ending of this uh, this hellscape of a year, what are you looking forward to in the next couple months? You know, it, it's fun. It, it, you know, this this I guess this sounds. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't sound terrible. But I'm looking forward to seeing how our industry, particularly with cold chain, rallies around uh, getting the vaccine out. You know, it's going to be so cool to see what happens here uh, because. You know, I I joined Hubtran uh, a little over a year ago, and I was and so I've, I've been drinking from the fire hose, learning logistics, and it's been so cool watching how this world has changed effective March, right? And how this this industry responded, got you know the reefers were able to get do grocery deliveries. Nobody was doing that stuff before, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this changes and and how you know you have public private military you have everybody who's who's basically thinking about all the logistics of getting a vaccine out with you know that, that has a very narrow margin for error it's gonna be really cool to watch i'm looking forward to seeing that so are we before we let you go would you like to spin the wheel let's do it 
All right, let's do it. Let's see oh, what we yeah, land there was on. No hesitation. Round and round. Yes, it goes. I, I know. I told you people would get excited about this. He's just trying to thing. get through the interview to get to this. What do we got? Uh, all right. Would you rather be stuck on a ski lift or an elevator? I kind of cheated there because oh, we already got that last question. Oh. Well, we already got that last question. Oh, okay. Right. So, ski lift or elevator? Which one would you rather be stuck on? I've actually been stuck in an elevator, uh, oh. and uh, and it was no fun because it was an old building. It was my old office building. The phone didn't work. They hadn't kept the permits up. It was a death trap. So, you know, I'll go with the ski lift just for new experiences. <laughs> oh, okay. well, We've been there, done that. I'll go with the ski lift. I love it. He's stuck in elevators his old hat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, he should watch the movie Frozen, not the Disney one, the 2010 one, where the people get stuck in a ski lift. They yeah. wolves tap in, broken legs, broken limbs, survival horror. I don't know, Josh. I don't wish that upon you at all. Josh, how do people reach out? How do they learn more? Uh, easy one, because my name's hard to spell. It's just sales at Hubtran, uh, H-U-B-T-R-A-N.com. Love it. He owns that. That's the, that's the big email he owns address. It. He's got it. Well, thank Beautiful. you so thank much, you, Josh. Josh. Thanks for joining us on the air today. We hope you don't get stuck in either, to be honest with you. Like, this yeah. isn't a wish kind of thing. Yeah, we're not wishing this on you. <laughs> now, Michael, how long do you think you'd have to be in an elevator before you would consider, um, you know, taking care of business? Um, what kind of business? Just depends on how nature strikes. Any, any business? <laughs> All right. Yeah, you I could be there for a while before that. A little while. Yeah. 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 Especially if there's people in there. <laughs> Well, yeah, the motivating factors, the external motivational factors yeah. would, would have a lot to play with it. Yeah. Although, yeah. you know, I would take the temperature control of the elevator over the ski lift any day. I take the ski lift. All right. Oh, I'm claustrophobic. All right. All right. Well, ex- well, I guess now in the time of COVID, too, if you're stuck in there with like another person, the anxiety could really ratchet up, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially if they're not keeping their social distance. I'd be in there for about 20 seconds before I'm looking for the hatch and starting to pound on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or try to just climb through the ceiling. Or, or, well, who did we talk to that, that picked the elevator because they just open up the things and climb out? That's what Bill Drieger said. That was Drieger. Yeah, Drieger was like, I'm Drieger from our Uber Freight was just like, I'm going to open this thing up and climb right out of there. Yeah. So what did we learn today? One of, the, one of the most interesting things we learned, and I, I knew we would learn from Louise this, but he was saying that there might not even be enough dry ice on Earth to do this project. Now, that, like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Now, there isn't even enough packaging, really. Yeah, the packaging aspect of it, and and there's not enough. There could be, you know, we got to ramp up the manufacturing of it, right? Yeah. But then uh, some of the other points. Who was it that was in the comments that talked about the fear or the the concern about the CO two that comes from the melting of that? Oh yeah. So you can't just pack it in the dry ice. You've got to have uh, refrigerated and environmental control to reduce the meltage. You know, this is one of those things, That's too. That's a word, it, meltage. <laughs> it's almost like the Dunning-Kruger thing. Like, we know enough like about supply chain to get ourselves in trouble and think we know enough. But I, I think that of all the virtual events we've done, cold chain is probably the one where partnerships and just expert knowledge is really the most crucial because of all these elements that we just have not considered. I mean, hazmat would be another one, any sort of delicate type of freight. But I've heard a lot of things today that, like, I would completely gloss over, not think about, and have brushed over without hearing some of these conversations. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. And I'll tell you what, I, I wanted to respond to Josh. I don't think what he said came off being terrible at all. I'm looking forward to seeing oh, yeah. it, too, because it's a confidence thing. I've seen how this industry has reacted in, in you know, different events, hurricanes, et cetera, and the pandemic. And it's just going to be like you're confident of watching your team just annihilate the enemy. It's going to be great to yeah. watch. Annihilate him. We believe in you. We know you can do it. Absolutely. If you believe in us, you can find this show, What the Truck, on your favorite podcast player. You can find us. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Timothy Duda. That is D-O-O-N-E-R, or at Vincent the Dude. Find us on LinkedIn. Let's be friends. We'll be back Monday, noon Eastern time. Same truck channel. Same truck Freight Waves TV. 
Peace and love. Peace and love. Now win that Yeti.